<clears throat> there was one conversation that I had that was really blunt to the point and it kind of made me realize what I really needed to do and that I needed to change. I had a conversation with David Quinn, uh, my head coach in New York after, it was after my second season and it was tough. Like I said, it was hard to, you know, kind of wrap your head around that, but it was so good for me. Like he, he was so honest with me and honestly, I can't think of enough for that. Like it was, it was a really good conversation. And I think from then I really started to key in on, on what I needed to do to be able to stay in the league and then to be able to be successful in the league after that. Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Padolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Padolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a thousand. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello there and welcome to or welcome back to the Up My Hockey podcast with Jason Padolan. I am your host, Jason Padolan. And today you are in for a treat because we are speaking with Brett Howden. Uh, this is a fantastic interview. As far as lessons go, as far as little gold nuggets go, uh, this conversation is absolutely packed full of them. Uh, Brett, as you will soon hear, is a really gracious, a really humble uh and introspective person and it was awesome to be able to speak with him uh at the ripe age of however old he is now 25 i believe uh been in the nhl for five years uh has been traded uh has was on a rebuilding team to start uh ended up with the las vegas golden knights where he just won a stanley cup uh so he has experienced uh different levels of the nhl and uh and the conversation was absolutely fantastic. But a bit about Brett here, like as far as his bio is concerned, just for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, Brett is uh, 25 years old, born in 1998, uh, Canadian-born player, uh, was drafted uh, in the 2013 WHL draft uh, to the Moose Jaw Warriors, fifth overall. So he was always a player. And, and, and I want to keep going back to this because I think his story uh, what what is the most profound about his story? Uh, we will get to, but I just want to hear the lineage here, uh, the, the hockey resume that he has. So, fifth overall selection in the in the twenty thirteen WHL draft, he gets drafted to the NHL uh, in twenty sixteen as a first rounder, twenty seventh overall. Uh, so deemed the twenty seventh best eighteen year old in the world after being deemed the fifth best uh, player in Western Canada. Uh, goes on to be selected to Canada's World Junior Team uh, for the 2020 uh, for the 2018 edition, where they won gold. Brett had uh, seven points in seven games there, so was a key contributor to that team. Uh, and then in uh, what year is it? He ends up getting traded uh, from Tampa, who drafted him uh, February 26th uh, in 2018. He was drafted a little bit after the World Junior Tournament uh, to the New York Rangers, and from there. He gets his audition that next season, the 2018-2019 season, where he gets uh, to play in the NHL. He makes the New York Rangers. Uh, plays there for three years and then gets traded uh, in another deal uh, to the Las Vegas Golden Knights in 21-22. Uh, uh, and then obviously the rest is history with the season that that they had there last year. He wins the Stanley Cup. So 
Now, why is this all relevant? Well, of course, it's relevant because it's his story and it's an amazing story at that. But why uh, I think it's super relevant is because the whole tone of this interview, uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll, I'll take excerpts from, from these podcasts and then I'll, I'll make what's called the lessons from the pro that I'll share with my players or I'll share on, share on, share on social media. Not often do I start an, an episode uh, with a lesson, but I think it was so profound in this scenario and, and it should be so profound to the hockey players that are listening um about like the the fine line it is between you know being an nhl player or making your goals come true and having them not happen and why it's relevant is because how i got in touch with brett was through dave oliver dave oliver happened to be the assistant coach at the time when brett uh was trying to make the the new york islanders the Islander. i'm mean, sorry new york Islanders, the new york rangers uh the rangers were in a rebuilding period uh 2018 2019 uh they were you know they knew that they were going to be young they knew that they were going to be you know pushing to to not they probably wouldn't be in the playoffs they were just going to be trying to you know get as many wins as they could and uh and brett showed up after this trade and so he was in competition with all the other prospects and everyone else that was in the or organization there to make this team and uh and he did and throughout the interview we we'll, we hear Brett talk about the opportunity that he had, how grateful he was for the opportunity with New York, how he even thought that maybe he wasn't ready, how he made mistakes, mistake after mistake, but they kept giving him a chance, and um, and and just like the gratitude from Brett for that first season, and for the Rangers giving him the opportunity, and for Dave Oliver um, taking him under his wing, and uh, you know spending so much time with them, and 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 all the rest of the story that you're about to hear. Uh, this is a guy, just so you know, right? We go back now to his resume. Fifth overall in the WHL Bantam draft. One of the best Bantam players in Western Canada. One of the best players in the world. Uh, pick 27th overall. Wins a world junior championship. Like, he is the creme de la creme. And when I talked to Dave Oliver about him and Brett and, and you know, what what his story was and about that rookie year... And, and, and Dave Oliver said to me, he's like, you know what? It was so close with Brett. Like there was so many other good players, obviously that were available. And he essentially just made the team and he made it because of the type of person that he was. Not exactly Dave Oliver's words, but very, very close that this guy was a good human. He was somebody that you wanted to root for. He was someone that you wanted to get behind. And that distinction separated Brett from everybody else that was trying to earn that same spot. And that same distinction provided him with opportunities that maybe somebody else might not have got. And that history extends. That reputation is followed by him, right? He's recognized as being a good kid. He's recognized as being a good person, a good teammate, a good person in the locker room. And taking nothing away from Brett Howden as an NHLer, right? Nothing at all. But if you look at his stats in the NHL, it's not like he's lighting it up offensively. It's not like he's, you know, running the power play. He has found a way to be very relevant in a very, very difficult league. And this is from on the heels of him being a prolific player at the junior level. He has had to find a way into that league and stay in the league. And one of the reasons how he was able to do it was because of the type of person that he is. So this cannot be discounted. I mean, this is the drum that I beat here on this channel that uh, 
from a mindset side, from a character side, from a teammate side, like all these personal intangibles are so relevant. Not only are they relevant in how they are, you are like the, the reflection you throw, you show to people, those that are involved in your career and in your journey, but there are also intangibles involved in how you approach learning, how you approach your development, how you approach adversity. These are all key contributors to allowing you to make your goals and dreams come true. And, uh, and Brett, you I mean, yeah, this interview, I mean, it really kind of blows my mind. It's almost like a poster child interview for, for what I believe in, uh, as far as the, the development of growth mindset, the personal development involved in the hockey player, the idea of, of being, uh, vulnerable enough to ask questions, you know, being eager enough to want to continue to learn and and building a support team around you, you know, that believes in what it is you want to accomplish. And um and yeah, so I couldn't be couldn't be happier with this interview. I really appreciate Brett coming on and even for Brett to come on, right? For for Dave to call Brett Howden about a guy that he's never heard before in Jason Padolan and probably a podcast I assume that he's never heard before in Up My Hockey. Uh, and for a Stanley Cup champion who's six years or five years in the league uh, to say, yeah, I'll do that. No worries. No problem. And to spend an hour with us like that also tells you what type of uh, of player this guy is and what type of human this guy is. Um, not to mention how easy he was to get a hold of and how easy it was to actually schedule something. Like um, it's not always that easy. And uh, and I. Think how the whole process went with Brett, uh, the the you know the feedback that Dave Oliver had about Brett and anyone else that I've heard talk about him. It, it's it's very indicative of who he is, and and it's no wonder why he's in the NHL uh, starting his sixth season and and being a very productive member and now a Stanley Cup champion. So I think there's a huge lesson there that it's we're so worried about the points and we're so worried about the goals and the assists. And yet when it came down to the decision the Rangers made, uh, when the funnel was super tight and there's a lot of options there, they went with the person behind the player, not necessarily the player. Um, and then the other lesson there, I guess, is while we're at it is, you know, here's a guy that was a point producer, point producer, point producer his entire junior career um, and recognized as such with these high draft picks and everything else. And he's turned into at this point, uh, you know, a, a third line kind of player mind you he was playing with Mark Stone in the playoffs so that could definitely change and there is an evolution obviously of all players as they go through uh but we talk about that reinvention of his game in this in this uh interview like that he had to become good at things that he wasn't good at in order to stay in the game he had to take pride in different areas of the game so um always 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 approach the game with the learning uh mentality with uh what can I learn next what can I get better at next and especially if you have a progressive type of attitude about your game, every time you level up, you're probably going to start in a role or in a designation that maybe wasn't where you just left. So you have to continue to build your game. Get good at the small areas of the game. Get good at some of these intangibles as far as your on-ice uh, skills are concerned. So it can prepare you to be successful when you're fighting for that last spot potentially at, the, at a higher level up. And also continue, of course. Uh, to work on the mindset, to work on the character intangibles, to work on the leadership skills and your and your qualities as a teammate, to uh, to get people behind you that want to have you succeed. And um, and yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of lessons here uh, in this interview. Uh, I really hope you enjoy it, uh, Brett. Uh, doubt you're listening, but anyone maybe around uh, him that that will and, and wants to hear, I, I really do appreciate you and appreciate the time you you spent and 
And uh, I hope everyone else enjoys it as much as I did. So without further ado, let's bring you Stanley Cup champion and overall fantastic human being and a great example for the hockey community and young players anywhere, everywhere, Mr. Brett Howden. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Brett Howden, one of the uh, freshestly crowned Stanley Cup champions here of the 2023. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, as I said, just before we kind of press live here, just for everyone listening, uh, we have a mutual connection in Dave Oliver. Uh, Dave was the assistant coach for uh, for Brett with the Rangers when he was there and uh, said that uh, you're a fantastic young man and be a great interview. And uh, and, he, and he asked and you decided to come on. So I really think, thank you for that. Maybe we can start just with Dave and your relationship. There. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, me and... Uh... Me and Ollie got along great. Uh, he was uh, he was a huge help to me uh, in my first few years in the league, and uh, he, we had a young team in New York. Um, we were re rebuilding, and um, you know, for us to have a guy like Ollie, I think it really was you know beneficial for us. Um, you know, he's a real hands-on kind of guy. Um, you know, a player's coach, and um, you know, the stuff that we would do after practice, he was so good at it. Like he was so skilled and um you know it, it was fun to to work with him and uh yeah i i mean i was talking to him a little bit during the playoffs uh this past season and um just fun to kind of catch up with him but uh yeah he's a he's a big reason um you know why i kind of started to uh you know excel a little bit um yeah he was a big help in my career that's awesome i mean that's maybe a great point to start i, I talk with players all the time whether i'm working with them privately or not but those those connections and those relationships with the people that actually can make a difference in your own career, like are so valuable. And, and not that we want to go out and necessarily what the right word is like be contriving about it, you know, or force it. Uh, you want it to be authentic, but, it, but it is so valuable once you find somebody that, you know, either gets you or you get them, or there's some type of a, a bond there because uh, you know, one, you get better and, and two, there might be some more opportunity at the end of the day for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think the cool thing with Ollie is that uh, me and him had a really good relationship in the sense that I could talk to him about really anything, um, you know, even just stuff away from hockey. I mean, I was 20, 21 years old living in New York City um, for my first time playing pro hockey. And, you know, this season, it's a long, it's a long season. It's uh I mean, it was a big, big learning experience for me. My first couple of years we were, but that first year in the league, I, I started off with such a high uh, coming into the league and, and so excited. And every every night's just, you know, you're so happy to be there. And then, um, you know, about halfway through the season, I kind of had a dip and uh, it was hard. It was, there was, there was some, it was some hard days, but um, it was good because I could talk to Ollie, um, you know, away from the rink and, um, you know, just, you know, he, he's got a lot of experience himself. So just to, to be able to kind of rely on, you know, somebody just to talk to somebody. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, pretty cool. The, the relationship we had. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you get into that dip because you know, one of the things about being, well, I mean, you see it at the junior level, of course, major junior playing with Moose Jaw. Uh, I was an expo can chief by the way, four years in the league myself. And, <laughs> So uh, I know about that about that circuit, and I know about the grind of seventy-two games in that league, and and especially when you're 
you know, when you're on the draft radar and, you know, you're, you're trying to play well and play consistently. And then you take that up and turn it up an entire new level when you're now in the NHL. And, you know, every game is, is essentially you're, you're fighting to keep that spot in the lineup and establish yourself as an NHLer. And now things maybe, like you said, are going south a little bit. Uh, how, how was that? Um, and what was it? Do you think that was like, that was that moment in time where you weren't really feeling it? Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's, I mean, it, it's, it was tough, but uh, yeah, when you're, I mean, I've, when I first came in the league, like I said, you know, I was just so happy to be there. So everything was going right and everything was feeling good. But then I kind of hit a spot in the season where, um, like I had said before, it, it, it all kind of caught up to me and um, you know, I, I wasn't playing as much. And to be honest with you, if it wasn't for the Rangers, you know, I, they were in a rebuild year and, if, if I wasn't in that position, they, they gave me every opportunity possible. And if I wasn't there, I don't know, I, I probably would have been in the minor somewhere else. So I was, I was just very thankful for all the opportunity that I was been given. But, um, you know, throughout the season, then it started to kind of become reality. And uh, yeah, it, it was tough there. There, I think I had, I think I went, I think it was like 34 or 35 games uh, without a goal. And uh, that obviously, you know, it was the longest in my career. I was just coming from junior where uh, we had a really good team my last year. So for me to go through that, it was tough. It was really hard. And uh, there's actually a video of when I do score, it's against Edmonton. Uh, there's uh, <laughs> I just a, you can just see the huge sigh of relief when I scored. Cause I, I, it was in, you try not to think about it, but it was in my head the whole time. And I remember Shattenkirk came up to me and, uh, he was just like, you want me to keep the puck? You want me to save that puck? Just because it was, you know, it was so long. So, um, but, but it's, it's crazy as much, you know, I mean, you try not thinking about it the whole time and it, it's hard not to, because, you know, you, you grip your stick a little bit tighter. Things don't go your way as much. And, um, but, you know, that was my first year when I didn't have much experience. Now I feel like these last couple of years, I've really taken a step and And the biggest thing I wanted to find in my game was consistency. And, I think that's something that I have, you know, finally kind of, you know, figured out and, um, you know, not being able to take a night off. It's a, it's a, it's a hard league every night, no matter who you're playing. And I think uh, these last few years, like I said, I've really started to, to learn, to learn that. And I think that's uh, probably the biggest turn in my game that I've found uh, since I went pro. What is the secret to that consistency? And, you know, I'll ask you that on on the kind of on the heels of saying like when I'm working with some of these younger players, junior age players or guys coming up, is like trying to establish what their identity is. That's one of the things that I think a lot of guys, you know, kind of miss in in the process. And, and once you get to the level that you're at, uh, there is sort of a box that you're filling at a certain time. And of course, your game can evolve and grow, and you can become other things. But you need to be consistent in whatever it is that you provide value for that team and help them win and, uh, night in and night out. So. What if I'm right in that statement for you right now? Like, what is what is it that you're being consistent about that you're providing the the Vegas Golden Knights a chance to win? Yeah, I think that's something that took me some time to figure out. Um, when I when I first came in the league, I came from junior where I was kind of known to obviously play a two way game, but I was you know more so scoring and um, on the power play and all that kind of stuff. And then when I went to New York, I was given all that opportunity, but you know, I, I then, it took me some time, but I then realized that I needed to change my game to be able, if I wanted to stay in the league. Um, I think that's, 
that's something that guys either figure out or they don't. And for me, I kind of started to figure it out. Um, and it, I mean, it was hard. I mean, it's, it's hard going from, you know, you're playing one way your whole life and then you kind of got to change it a little bit. Um, I mean, it's not drastic changes, but it's just kind of realizing that realizing what you can do to help a team win. And I think for me, just, I've kind of learned, you know, being, being a hard player, being a two-way player. Um, when I get in the offensive zone, I feel like I can still, you know, make my plays and, um, be creative like that. But I think it's just knowing, knowing your identity, like you said, and it, it took me a few years to, to kind of find that, but I find that I kind of have an identity to my game now and, um, I kind of know what I need to bring to the table and, um, yeah, I think, uh, I, I mean, it also helps, you know, players that are around you. You know, I mean, every, everybody everybody around you makes you better. So I think that helps too. But I, I, ultimately, I think uh, that was the biggest thing for me. Is there a preparation to that? Like, are there things that you're trying to focus on? Maybe, you know, micro details, or maybe there's two or three things a, a night that, you know, Brett has to do this. You know I mean, like, I want to do this well. I want to do this well. If I can check those boxes, I'm going to be happy with my game. Is, is that kind of how you break it down to identify what it is you want to want to do? Uh, I mean, yes, yes, and no. I, I mean, I try not to overthink it too much. Um, I find that I've kind of gotten in a rhythm now where I've kind of I know how I want to play. I think for a while there, when I was kind of in that trying to find that, I kind of had to tell myself how to play every night. I was kind of thinking about you know being hard on pucks, being hard on battles. Um, you know, doing the right things in the D zone and then the rest will take care of itself. When you get to the offensive zone, you have the ability to be creative and um, and make plays. So I, I think now, like I said, I, I don't think about it as much. I just feel like I, my game is, uh, I kind of, it's kind of subconscious. What I, I, you know, I know, you know, what is expected of me, but for a year and a bit there, it was, it was, me kind of transitioning trying to find that and i really had to think about it a lot right yeah man like i can i can totally hear what you're, what you're saying i mean 20 years <clears> after <throat> you tried to do it or maybe even 30 right like that whole idea yeah. of you know you're a goal scorer somewhere or even a goal scorer in the minors in my scenario and then you come up and and you know you're talking about opportunity first and that's obviously the first thing you have to have is like a real opportunity to to be able to do something the second one i found is like what is the expectation or the communication around what it is you are supposed to do, right? Like mm -hmm. you can come up there as a young guy and be like, well, I'm supposed to score goals. So they've always scored goals, but really they're not even really wanting you to, they want you to get the puck out in your own end. And they want you to yeah. bang a couple of guys in the fortune and get the hell off the ice for your first little while. Right. <laughs> but like, yeah. if you're not really told that, and if you're not really uh, willing mm -hmm. to adopt it one or the other, like you can get in trouble pretty quick. Right. Was, yeah. was there any communication with you on that? Either coming up or once you came to Vegas about what it is they wanted from you? Yeah, there was actually one, <clears throat> there was one conversation that I had that was uh, really blunt and it was to the point and it kind of made me realize what I really needed to do and that I needed to change. Um, I had a conversation with David Quinn, uh, my head coach in New York after, he was after my second season and it was tough. Like I said, it was hard to, you know, kind of wrap your head around that. Uh, and and I, but it was so good for me. Like he, he was so honest with me, and honestly, I can't thank him enough for that. Like it was it was a really good conversation, and I think from then I really started to 
key in on on what I needed to do to be able to stay in the league and then to be able to be successful in the league after that. And um, then once I came to Vegas, um, you know, I feel like I had gotten some, you know, good opportunity here and I just kind of ran with it. And I've been trying to stick to that game plan. And um, yeah, I've, it, it's been great. Like I said, you, and you said it too, opportunity is everything. And when I went to New York, they gave me every opportunity possible. I was really young and I think, uh, you know, I think uh, it took me a bit to, to learn. Um, but when I came to Vegas, as I was starting to get older and mature a little bit and have some more experience, I think that's when um, I was really able to um, to use that and to play my game. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's probably been the best thing that's ever happened to me was, you know, coming here and get the, getting the opportunity here. That's awesome. Do you mind letting us in the the room for for that Dave Quinn? Uh, he was actually a guest on my uh, on this show. He was an amazing oh, yeah. interview. Like I <clears throat> yeah. I had never met him before, and uh, he spent like almost an hour and a half with me. And and wow, like he was super impressive. I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, and I and I kind of was like, you know, it kind of brings the player out in you too. I was like, geez, I'd like to play for this guy. You know, <laughs> yeah. like he kind of yeah. he kind of fired me up a little bit. But yeah, do you yeah. mind letting us in the room there on that conversation? Like, what what did he what did he communicate with you? What did he tell you there? Yeah, he, you know what? It, it was uh, pretty much everything that we were talking about. Just that, you know, I needed to, you know, change my game a little bit to to be able to stay in the league and to be successful eventually. Once I kind of figured that out, and um, we had a, it was a long conversation, but it was it was basically the just around that, just trying to you know be harder and be harder to play against and be a guy that I can you know that he can rely on and things like that and. The cool thing is, is when he was telling me, it wasn't just him telling me just so I could do that for him. It was so that I could play in the league, you know, for a long time. He was looking out for me. So I think that was the coolest thing. He was just, he cares so much. He, he cares so much. You can see it when he coaches. I played for him for three years and, uh, you know, I played with uh, Eichel and he had him at BU and he says the same thing. Like he just cares so much about all his players. He cares about his team. And uh, yeah, for him to pull me aside, I know it probably wasn't easy for him. wasn't easy for me, but um, after that long conversation, I feel like that's uh, yeah. I, I feel like I owe a lot of credit to him for, for having that conversation with me. Well, I'm sure he appreciates the show though. Maybe that's a good opportunity even to expand on that. Like when, when that whole staff got let go there, um, when they came in, it just seemed to me, I mean, I'm outside looking in, but that team looked like it was overachieving that year. It looked like they were, they, I mean, everything was coming together. It looked like, I don't know. I, I thought that like what, what, what Quinn and his staff was there to do with you guys obviously involved in it was like something that was special. And all of a sudden, you know, he's out the door and kind of um, depending on who you listen to, like almost with a little bit of a bad rap, you <clears> know, <throat> coach great players and, uh, anyways, we know what he did with Eric Carlson last year. You know, yeah. we brought him back to a Norris Trophy. Obviously, Eric had something to do with that as well. But it seems to me like um, like he he was doing some good things there, and, and you seem to be saying the same thing. Yeah, for sure. And I, the the biggest thing is is uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure New York put out uh, the year before I was there. They put out a, a big statement that said they're in a, a rebuild year. Our rebuild year is coming up, and we were really young. We made a lot of trades. Uh, my first year and we got younger um, and you know I mean it took a few years but you know I feel like we were starting to get a bit older a bit more experienced but there was just a lot of turnover the year I left um, I think the whole staff 
most of the staff was gone anyways. Um, and then a lot of new players were coming in um, and they got a little bit older and more experienced, um, which is why, I mean, they went on to have the year they did. They went to the conference finals. But, um, you know, for Quinny, I think it's pretty cool for him to be, you know, back in, in, in San Jose now. And um, there, there's a lot of pressure in New York too. There's a lot. There's um, pressure on coaches, players, everybody, management, um to to perform and do well so i mean it's it's not an easy market to 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 play in it's a great market to play in but there's times where it's tough and um i i just think for him he's in he's in a great spot and obviously you said like look what he did with carlson and you said it best carlson obviously has the player he's the he's the one that plays but pretty cool for him to 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 coach him and um yeah i uh, i I had great three three great years with with quinny and um, it's always fun seeing him when we go play San Jose. I always catch up with him after. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Yeah, the uh, so I, my my last ever NHL game was with the Islanders, and I played one like one <clears> game <throat> with them. And, and their alumni program is absolutely awesome. Like they bring everyone in. If you've, you've played this one game or a thousand games, they'll bring you in for a weekend and they put you up. And anyways, the, this last year I, I brought. Uh, I have three boys that play, and, and every year I'm kind of bringing one of them as, as we go. So my my middle my middle son w- was able to go this year and it just worked out that the rangers were playing uh kind of the night before everything started so we got tickets to the rangers game and i mean i played in that building i played against gretzky in that building like so i, I i've been in it but like it was it was so crazy hype like it was like a friday night and i don't know like the energy in that place like i was vibing and i'm not even a ranger fan yeah, really, I'm a hockey yeah. fan anymore you know yeah. what I mean? but it was it was yeah. like surreal kind of being in there i was like wow and uh and i was just thinking while i was in those seats like going if i was on the bench right now like god like that's crazy you know and, and so you you mentioned that as far as being like your first time through the circuit you are a ranger you're experiencing that 40 times a season um living in the big apple like your eyes must have been like this big like for for the majority of the season yeah yeah like it was it was uh yeah yeah, it was crazy i mean i come from a small town uh in winnipeg just outside of winnipeg of like two thousand people and then i go play in moose jaw where there's a bit more i think there's like in all of moose jaw maybe like forty thousand, something like that and then i go from there to new york city and it was just like like for the first like couple months or like two months for sure it was just like you were living in a dream like it was just like so much going on it was a big culture shock just like the lifestyle there the the way new york is is just go 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 and it was it was it was a lot to take in like it was crazy but um i as i as i got to you know learn the city a little bit learn how to use the subways and how to get around and everything that's when it was like unreal like it was it was amazing it was such a such a fun place to play like such a cool experience getting to live there and then on top of that getting to play in the garden in front of all the fans like that like it was just it was it was amazing and that was the first place i played and and everybody was telling me when you were th- when i was there just like take it all in because like this is this is pretty cool like the whole living experience and and the, all the history with the rangers and everything like that so it was it was an incredible experience, and uh, I re- I really cherish my time there. So, and it must be kind of I would assume uh, not playing there or in, a, or in a center that big that 
like the Rangers are massive, obviously, like they're, they're, they're very well followed, but it's also a big enough city where I'm sure you're just getting around and nobody knows who you are. You don't get recognized that often yet. You are still a Ranger. So you probably get the perks of like, whatever it is you kind of want to do when you want to use that. Is that, was it kind of like that way there? Like, how was it being a Ranger? Yeah. Unless you're Henrik Lundqvist, <laughs> right. you, you get noticed a lot, but uh, for, for like, for me, I mean, I didn't get, I don't think I ever got noticed unless you're right outside the building when you're leaving the game, all the Rangers fans are still there. But other than that, you're just another person in the city. I mean, this, I mean, there's celebrities there. There's, there's, there's everything there. And then on top of that, the city's just massive with a ton of people there. So, yeah. and it's so densely populated. So you, you kind of get lost in the crowd, which is, I mean, kind of cool. Like you're in the mix and uh, you're just yeah. kind of like part of the New York lifestyle a little bit. But um, yeah, like the, the other guys, like the, the bigger guys, like Henrik and um, who, whoever else, they, they would get noticed, you know, quite a bit. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of the cool part about uh, living in New York. Hey there, just going to take a short break from this excellent conversation with Brett Howden to share a product launch announcement. Uh, the Peak Potential Hockey Project, Up My Hockey's signature mindset program, is going to launch another guided mission here on October 2nd. So if you are listening to this uh, podcast in real time, uh, meaning not on replay at a later date, uh, this may be relevant to you. Uh, if you have a hockey player anywhere, uh, well, really anywhere, uh, but let's say in North America, uh, that wants to work on something they've probably never worked on before and wants to find the competitive advantage uh, that potentially they didn't know existed. Uh, if you want to see some changes in your player uh, on and off the ice, uh, this could be something that you want to participate in and probably should. Uh, it's uh, pretty exciting, you know, what has happened with the program and, and all the and all the stories uh, that have come from it and, and all the people that are willing to share their experience with, with the program. And um, there's just been a couple that we've uh, announced here at Up My Hockey, the, the Facebook uh, group, which is Up My Hockey Parent Group. If you are a hockey parent out there that has not heard yet of the parent group on Facebook, by all means, uh, please join. It's a private group. Uh, there's no spam or there's no, you know, there's no chatter it's all good quality stuff with great people in there uh, we we share a lot of hockey knowledge a lot of hockey experience we support each other's journeys uh, it's also where you're going to get some mindset tips and tricks um, and 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 things like that uh it's something that i'm really proud of that we've grown uh but yeah in the last little while we've had a couple parents that that uh experienced the program and were willing to share just on their own uh, about what it was and one was matthew kiger i just want to say he says i he, uh, it's been two years, he says, since his son Raiden went through your course and he now radiates con confidence in all aspects of his life. Uh, Raiden was a guy that I, while he was taking the course and, and keep in mind, the course is four weeks long, uh, at roughly the halfway point, uh, two, maybe three quarters of the way through, uh, Matthew, the dad was having people stop him in the arenas, like parents on his team, um, saying what happened? To Raiden like what 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 did you do with Raiden like they, they they were seeing such a difference on the ice that they were actually approaching the dad about what was what was happening and uh 
and obviously it sounds like uh, Raiden is still thriving and uh, and the confidence is is as as his dad said is uh, radiating in all aspects of his life. So that's super cool to see. And then we had Heather Roseboom uh, come out and 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 share a story uh, about her athlete, saying that Cole has made the U15A1 team here in Chilliwack as a first year. A huge reason, in our opinion, is because of the peak potential training. So thank you. Well, thank you, Heather, for sharing. Um, congratulations to Cole. Congratulations to Raiden. Uh, they're always a part of my team. Anyone that I've worked with in whatever capacity, it's so fun following their journey and and continuing to be uh, a part of it and, and seeing their growth and development. So uh, there's lots of uh, great stories out there. Um, of course, uh, if your athlete is somebody that you know maybe struggles with uh, with confidence at times or has a tendency to get into slumps or doesn't uh, doesn't operate consistently at the level they can or maybe doesn't quite have the commitment or the practice habits uh, required away from the rink um, to to take advantage of their potential uh, this could definitely be something that you will see huge uh, huge uptick in uh, obviously if your player is completely rolling along and everything looks fine um, there's less chance for there to be a massive change uh, noticeable change in a short period of time but uh, but the thing I say all the time is you know like one, two, three, four, five percent difference. If you can find that, that makes a huge difference. Those are the parts of the puzzle that are that are harder to find. And uh, and even though things are going well, uh, there is going to be a time where something isn't going to be going well. Whether it's a locker room situation or a bad experience with a coach or uh, you know whatever the case may be, something is coming, and it's always ready to be. Uh, prepared for the storm uh, than trying to prepare for the storm while it's going on. So uh, yeah, if you're interested, the Peak Potential Hockey Project is launching again October 2nd. Uh, you can get registered for that uh, at upmyhockey.com. Just look under the uh, services section. Uh, it's a small group too, by the way, for those of you who are wondering. I always keep it under 10 participants. Um, so I have a chance to work one-on-one -on -one with all the players that are involved. So uh, they do fill up. Uh, so by all means, get in and uh, and take advantage of the October 2nd one. Great time of the year to do it. Uh, everyone's on new teams, wanting to have a successful season, make a good impression, and uh, and get their season rolling. So uh, that's where to find it, upmyhockey.com. Now let's get back to the episode with Brett Howden. When it comes to that whole opportunity thing, and I've had other guys in the show before, like Wade Redden comes to mind, actually, who ended his career at the Rangers, and he 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 got drafted really high and went to Ottawa, and, and he mentioned, like, the idea of being young. I mean, he was 18, I think, or 19. He went right out of uh, – right after his draft, but <clears> – <throat> But he said he made so many mistakes his like his first year and like he was not good, but yet he like to our back to our our, our theme of, of opportunity, right? Like he's like, not everybody had that opportunity, you know, yeah. like to keep going back on the ice, you know, like to to be allowed to screw up at the NHL level. And he's like, I'm so thankful I had that experience. And I don't know where I'd be again to kind of your point, you know coming into a rebuild year instead of maybe being with the Tampa Bay Lightning on the other side of it and just scratching for every minute of ice, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, I know you haven't really been able to put your 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 feet in those other states, but could you imagine what life would have been like maybe with Tampa or like, you know, when these young guys are coming up and you're in this environment where you really, really, really want to or even have to perform, uh, mm -hmm. right? But the mistakes might cost you, you know? Can you, can you kind of talk about the two di different sides of that coin? Yeah, like that that relates to me so much like i i go back or not so much anymore but i would go back like a couple of years when i was in the league and i would go back and like look at clips or 
stuff for my first year and i was just like wow did i make a lot of mistakes like i i couldn't believe that i was still given all the opportunity that i was given i it was just like like uh, throwing on the power play and then i'll be you know making a mistake i'll be right back out there like no problem but obviously there was times where i had to be held accountable but it was I mean, opportunity is everything. And that's what kind of instills confidence in you. You, you. you build your own confidence, but when you're given that opportunity, you kind of feel like the coach trusts you in those positions and things like that. And I was a young guy and they were trying to, you know, get me to feel confident and things like that. But I, th- I just think about all the opportunity I was given throughout that whole first and second, second year. It was just, it, it, was, a, it was a lot of opportunity for, maybe someone who didn't really deserve it honestly just you you go back and look at all the clips um so i i and i honestly i think that's what kind of helps in the in the end in the long run is given all that opportunity you get to make those mistakes and still feel like you're still able to keep playing and still able to go out there so you're not really second guessing yourself a ton and then there comes a time where if it's two or three years later and you're still making those same mistakes, they're going to, you know, you let you know, and you're not going to be able to, you know, play as much. But um, yeah, I just think uh, if I was in, so like back to your question, if I would have been in Tampa, yeah, like it, it would, it's sometimes I thought about that my first and second year, what, what if, what would have happened? I most likely would have been in the minors. I would have been, wouldn't have been given, probably any of the opportunity that I was given in New York my first year. So um, I was really thankful, super thankful to to be in New York and be given all the chances and um, time on the ice that I was given. And, um, and then, yeah, so it, it is, it is kind of, kind of crazy how, where your path takes you and mine took me to a place where I was given lots of opportunity. And then when I got traded here, it once again, I mean, I was given lots of opportunities, so I've been very fortunate and very, I mean, for me, I, I don't let that go unnoticed. Like I feel very grateful for all the, the opportunities that I've been given and um, for all the places that I've been able to go. Yeah. That's a fantastic word. And I, I hear it and everything that you're saying and like the, the gratitude, right. And, and, and the humbleness that you're, that you're also coming at that from, and, and obviously also the reality of it. Right. I mean, mm. it's true, you know, like, you you need to have opportunity and there's like the the guys that i work with that it's the hardest is is when you are in that environment where it's a fourth or third line scenario or you've just been called up and your leash is like this long mm-hmm. right yeah. you know what i mean and like so you're yeah. getting no minutes right so you're already kind of squeezing the stick and you know if you're screwing up you're probably not going to get another chance yeah, you see the guys on the second and first line, like they have more rope, right? Because they've earned it and they're able to make some yeah. mistakes. And they're able to be creative. It's like, that's such a tough spot in sports. Like, I mean, and specifically in, in hockey, like where where you're in that kind of that that ground, right? Where it's like, you know, it all matters. Yet you're supposed yeah. to be confident. You have to be able to play your game. And my goodness, if I had the secret pill just to be able to hand somebody to, to go out there <laughs> yeah. and figure it out and play your best, man, like that's the hardest, right? Like I think... Yeah. And I think, I think that's the biggest thing that it goes back to me for me is being consistent. That was, that was my biggest weakness is I'd have maybe a good game and then I'd have a few bad games and then another good game, maybe a couple in a row, then a few bad games. I I was never at a consistent level where the coach knew what he was going to get from me night in, night out. And 
that that is the biggest thing for me which has kind of built confidence for me is you know like knowing what i'm going to bring to the table every night and at least try to some nights it's not going to go your way it's just the way it is but 82 82 games is a long season not every night you're not going to have a great night every night but at least if you're you know putting putting forth what you know you can or what you're trying to do trying to do the right things then you know i feel like coaches that's where they don't have the issues when you're trying you know trying to do the right things um so yeah i mean it's uh like you said it's kind of crazy i mean some guys leashes are short and at some time at some points mine was short too and it's like you said it's hard to play like that because i mean you it's and it's a it's a hard position for the coach because he wants you to give you that opportunity so you can build confidence but if you keep making mistakes and doing it over and over again you got to learn somehow right so it's uh it's a it's a tough line it's a tough line to find well you know what is i thought was like really interesting is when i interviewed um jerome mcginless so iggy was on here and a uh, former teammate of mine the world junior and he came on and and this was like after his career and, and he was saying like when he ended his career in Cal- in uh, colorado he was like you know as it happens you come down the other side of the mountain and he wasn't playing 30 minutes a night he was playing like eight you know seven mm. And he had never really experienced that before. Yeah. He like he said yeah. he had so much more like respect. Like not that he didn't respect those guys because he always did, but just the ability to play right in that in that environment, to be able to give your best, to be able to provide value uh, when you don't have an opportunity to get in the groove, to get in any type of flow, right? Like yeah. Anyway, there was a really interesting conversation to hear from somebody who's who's won a, a, a Maurice Richard trophy, right? Like yeah, yeah. And that, that I, I think that is that is so. There, there's been, you know, I've had quite a few nights where I've played throughout my career where I've played anywhere from five to seven, eight minutes. And it's, it's tough. Like it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to get into a groove. It's hard to, you're sitting on the bench and you're just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then you finally get a shift and then you're waiting a while again. It's, it's hard to kind of get in a rhythm, but you look a lot of guys, you know, that do play those minutes are there. It is, it's actually incredible how, how well they play in those minutes. You know what I mean? Like every shift counts. Those, those shifts mean so much to them but also to the team those shifts are huge so it uh yeah i mean it is those are those are tough those are tough yeah. for sure well that's the prep too i mean i i assume and i mean even getting back to your talk about like getting the trust from your coach which is obviously super important he needs to know <clears throat> when he's putting you out there what he's going to get you know and guys are always wondering why well, i want more minutes i want this well you have to gain that trust for sure right you have to be dependable on what you're doing uh, and then there's a whole different mindset around that because you do, you're sitting on that bench and you have to be ready, right? You have to be focused. You have to know what you're going to provide. Uh, I think there's just a whole different level of preparation when it comes uh, to being a player in that situation. And even maybe bringing it back full circle to what you're talking about before with like this kind of this idea of what type of hockey player you are. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you like you said, you were a two-way player in, in Moose Jaw, you, but you were you were the guy. If they needed a goal, you were the guy who was supposed to get it, right? You were the guy in the half wall in the power play. You were the yeah. guy who was, when, when the goalie was pulled, you're out supposed to get one, right? Like you've always been that guy. And right. now you have to find different things that you love about the game that maybe you wouldn't <clears> really <throat> find that you loved before, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that's a big departure when you become a pro because, yeah, I mean, now, now you've got to find value and passion in, in some things that maybe you never did, right? yeah yeah and i think yeah you're right and like i just think about things now and like you're 
I've never really thought of it that way until you just said it. Just like the things that I appreciate in the game now, you know, little, little things that the team appreciates that you didn't really realize before. And I think those are things that I've, I've kind of found in my game where, and, and I've kind of always been told, so, someone always kind of told me what, like, what can you do to help a team win? That's, and I think actually one of the guys that would always tell me that is Tim Hunter. He was my coach and junior in Moose Jaw. And me and him had kind of had a conversation after a couple of years, a couple of years that I've played, that I played in the NHL and me and him were kind of talking and he was just telling me like, what, what can you do to help a team win? And, you know, the more I thought about it, the, you know, the more it made sense. Like, you know, we, like, you can see which teams are going to be the guys that are going to be on the ice for the power play. Who's going to be out there when we need a goal, when we need that, but who's going to be the guys that when you don't, when you don't need that, when you want to protect the lead and and things like that. So kind of got me thinking quite a bit. And I think that's something that I really appreciate is, is trying to help the team in, in any way. And, it's uh like like we said it's it's like we're reiterating it a lot it's kind of changed over my career but it's it's kind of cool how you you kind of i don't know how how i've kind of kind of figured that i'm not saying i've figured everything out i'm still learning a lot as i go here but just from my first year to now this will be my sixth year all the experience and everything in between it's kind of crazy how it's kind of led me to where i'm at now and um i'm still learning a lot like from the team that i'm on I'm still one of the younger, youngest guys on the team. And it's my sixth year where when I was in New York, when I played my second or third year, I was like considered like, I don't know, closer to the, one of the guys that has been there the longest, which is wild to think about. So, so for me now, I'm still learning every day from all these guys in the locker room, which it's incredible. We have such a great group here. It's like, you know, a bunch of veterans that have been through so much. And then we obviously all won together last year. So it's just fun going to the rink every day and still feeling like a kid again. Like I'm still learning every day. So, yeah, that's kind of a mindset though. I think, right. I mean, at least I, I call it that meaning like that, uh, that willingness to learn and, and, the and, and the ability to kind of take every day with the, with the newness to it and almost like a beginner's mind to use, uh, to use like a, a yogi term, right? Like you, if you, if you walk into every situation with like, Hey, what can I learn today? Or, or what's new for me to pick up on? you're going to find some answers to that, right? But Mm -hmm. uh, we can also get really comfortable in where we're at and we kind of close the door to that and then we don't grow and our game kind of stalls and and, uh, and life happens like that. So it's really cool that you're mentioning that because, uh, of course, environment matters, right? Like having older Mm -hmm. guys around you that have been through more, like it's kind of easier to to look to them to for growth and and to ask questions. Uh, But I think it is just a mindset in general. And and you see guys in the league, I'm sure, around and around you right now, some of these older guys that probably still do approach every every day like that. I, I know, like, some of the guys that I've talked to that played with, with Chara there, like, 40 <clears> years <throat> old, and he was still inventing new ways to get better every day or to try and keep yeah. his edge, right? Like, that's yeah. that's an approach to life, really, you know? Yeah, and I think that's probably – well, that's why he played for so long, right? Like, he was always willing to – wanting to try to get better and learn um, – and I, I just even look at the guys on our team, the, the resumes of the guys on our team is is unbelievable. But you just look at the guys that are who's first on the ice. It's always it's all you know, like guys are always wanting to do things to get better, even though even even like right now for for us, we're skating right now. 
and we were just coming off of winning and it's just like seeing like the drive and the determination and the commitment out of all these like out of everyone right now is just unbelievable like you, a lot of people think oh they're 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 just relaxed and they don't really it's it's like it's a whole new no whole new mindset again it's like we we want to win again we want to we want to do it again and it's like that competitive nature and that willingness to to want to like you said wanting to learn every day and i i think what you said it best is the environment you're in like when you're in a good environment surrounded by good people who all have that same mentality that's it makes it way easier for you to buy into that and and be a part of it with with you talking about that my my head bouncing all over the place but uh like I, the word that comes to mind for me is standards because I talk I talk a lot about standards with with the players and the teams that I work with and and the idea that like there that there's always another level like you know this idea of learning like you're learning about yourself and you're learning about how to win and now you're seeing what it takes to win a championship and and I assume this the standards like from Moose Jaw for you and as a group to what you just saw last year is way different, wildly different, right? The, the, the preparation it takes, the commitment to work, the, the ability to, to lift your teammates up, like all this stuff is like at a different standard. Um, is that is that accurate? Like just thinking of you, like from your day one in, 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 in New York and like first in the league and, you know, a rebuilding team, and now you've just won a championship, like how much of your standards changed and, and your approach to the game? Yeah, yeah, like, it, it is crazy to think about like i even think about me you know in junior and then coming out of junior and i you just think like if oh, if i would have known all this now it would have been but that's the whole thing about experience is like you learn along the way and i think coming out of junior even my first and second year in new york young like you're a young guy it, i hate to say it but like i was i was stubborn like that that's just how like young guys are i was stubborn i thought i kind of you know, knew what I was doing, things like that. Not that I didn't want to listen or learn, but um, you, you kind of, you know, you, you kind of get stubborn a little bit with things. And and now I look at, you know, just some more experience that I've had, been able to learn throughout the years. And I just think back to myself back then. It's like, I knew nothing. Like I, I didn't know, I, I didn't know what I was thinking. And, yeah. um, and, and like I said, that's all, that all comes with experience and, um, maturity and over the years. And I think that's something that I've, you know, obviously in the last six years, I've matured a lot. And um, yeah, I just think, you know, coming to the rink every day, it's you're, you're, you're committed to, to what you're doing. Like in junior, I think we, like, we didn't even work, like we worked out, but not, not very much. Like you weren't, you weren't as committed to that. You were just going out and having fun and, and playing games and you weren't really thinking about too much. Whereas now it's, it's kind of, you know, like you said, the standard, like you look around the room and you see guys doing certain things and you're like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta start, you know, like doing things like that. It's just like the people around you are so huge, you know? And I think Kelly and George have done such a good job of creating such a good culture here. We have such a good culture and, um, you know, just a lot of guys and like everybody, we can, you know, rely on each other and lean on each other. And it's, it's always, it's always so fun going to the rink because there's all that work and all that, um, you know, every day doing everything, but yet we make it a ton of fun. I think there's a really good balance of both there of being able to have a lot of fun and um, a lot of joking around and stuff. But when it comes down to it, it's, you know, like who's going to be there. And, you know, it just shows the, the kind of guys that we have in the room.
Yeah, you can still be an ass kicker and have a good time doing it. <laughs> exactly. Right? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it doesn't yeah. have to be super serious. And that's kind of the thing that I that yeah, like that I like talking about. And like in those good environments, like you guys are working your ass off, you know, but like, but you're having fun doing it, right? Exactly. Like, the grind is actually a good time. And uh just while you were thinking there, I just uh, interviewed Luke Toporowski a little while ago. I mean, he's he's trying to work his way into the NHL. He played in, with Providence last year, and he's a Spokane, ex-Spokane chief. And we were talking about Sanders a little bit in that conversation, and he was just saying, like, he he thought he was a hard worker. You know what I mean, kind of to your point, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, thought he was a hard worker and thought he put in his time on the ice. And But then, like, the more you, you – you, sometimes you have to get called out on it, but then you also get to experience what hard work really can look like right yeah, you talk yeah. about that environment it's like holy shit i'm not even close right like yeah. I, there's other things that i can do here and and i think the world starts to open and that's one of the things that i love challenging that's why i think this conversation is so awesome for us to have right now because there's young guys listening like they're not even close you know i mean they think they have these big dreams and these big goals and and they want to get these places but they're not mm. even really close to like putting in the time required or the effort to make these things happen. Right. And, yeah. you know, to yourself, I mean, obviously you were a great, great junior player and some things probably came pretty easy for you. And like you said, you were pretty stubborn, right? Things were rolling pretty good, you know, and then now you're amongst the best of the best mm -hmm. and that's a whole different ball game, right? Exactly. The best of the best exactly. in the world. And there is a way to go about your business that you hadn't quite seen yet. And I love that you're adopting it. Is there like just so, so some of these younger guys can hear like, what does it look like in a Las Vegas locker room? Because you talked about, the weights in junior, right? I, I remember there too. You, you kind of go in there and dust them off. And you know, I mean, nobody's really doing too much, yeah. right? You're almost like yeah. trying to hide from the trainer so you can get out of the weight room and go do your thing. And, um, yeah. but like, that's not the way it is at the NHL level. No. And I think, uh, you know, I even think back to, well, year like years ago, I, I just hear stories about, you know, in the summer, it was just, you'd drink and hang out and then you'd go get in shape in training camp. And it's like, you just can't do that. Like you, like you would be so far behind everybody. Everybody is so on top of their stuff now. Like you come into the rink, like, so for example, for our team, like you come in and guys are always working on something, whether it's up in the gym before the, before the skate, they're, they're working on stuff. Like, and, and a lot of guys like have certain people to help them out with certain things. There's, there's uh like I just even think of there like for example Eichel he's got he is so in tune with his body like he is so so prepared with his body like he's up in the gym he's doing these certain movements and stuff like this that'll help him for something or get him loose and then he's always people guys are always like uh, playing with their equipment and it's just like they're always like thinking about stuff and trying to be better like there's there's just and then guys are going on the ice early and working on certain things like there's never there's no never a guy needs to be told to go and do something and then like we talked about you see a guy doing that and you're like okay hey, i should probably start you know trying to go do that or whatever like that so yeah exactly it really is like yeah. and it, it starts a conversation too like ike's will be or anybody not just him but anybody will be doing something and you're just kind of like wondering, I wonder why he's doing that. So then you kind of talk about it and then you kind of learn something. You're like, oh, that actually makes sense. And then I start trying that. Like, it just like, it just yeah. like, it keeps going, keeps going. So yeah, I just think it's obviously things have changed a lot from back in the day. I think it's, it's pretty funny. Like I couldn't imagine going a whole summer without working out or doing anything and trying to get in shape in training camp. Like, right. um, it's just, but yeah, I, I it just like, like we talked about it, like, 
even in the summer, yeah, you work out, guys work out, but then a lot of guys are even after they work out, they're thinking about the food they're eating, the nutrition. There, there's just like so many things that go into it. Yeah. What would so, a day look like for you, Brett? Like with with your, uh, I don't know. Let's say, or even say now. So like, how 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 much time are you dedicating? um outside of your family you obviously get home and you're being a dad and you're being a husband and all this stuff like when you're at the rink like what goes into a, a day for you right now uh so well before the season it's like i mean it's a little different than in season depends on the schedule in season but right now we're um i i get to the rink i don't know 7 38 and then get upstairs that's usually when everybody starts kind of coming in and uh we kind of do like a warm up and then a workout uh, together. Some guys might work out after the skate, and then once you finish that up, you do your skate, and um, and then you kind of you kind of do whatever. Like I said, some guys come in earlier and then skate, and th but we all skate together. And then some guys will stay after and do some stuff, um, and then that kind of takes that's pretty much the whole morning until about noon ish, I'd say twelve thirty, and then come home. And then, like you said, then it's. Uh, dad mode and then it's kind of fun for you know for me coming home to my son and being able to hang out with him and um and then yeah right now we're getting close to camp so obviously you're kind of thinking about stuff fitness testing and stuff like that so you're right. trying to stay dialed with everything like that but um yeah it's uh the days are the days are really fun and then you know we're all excited like we're we're all back here and getting ready to go. So we're really, you know, antsy to, to kind of get things going again. Yeah. We're, we're all excited, but um, yeah, that's kind of a typical, typical day of right now. The one thing, um, I mean, I'm, I'm born in 76, so I don't know. What are you? You're 98. So 22 98. years. Oh my gosh. 22 <clears throat> years younger. Um, but even like, so when I was playing though, and, and your age then, like we were definitely working out. Like, so it was probably 20 years before me that guys weren't working out at all. But the one thing I think is different, or at least, I, I feel is different is I was super dialed into like my, yeah, my fitness, right. My strength and like that stuff. But I was not in the summer. Like I wasn't shooting pucks. I wasn't working on stick handling. I wasn't working on like any type of growth factor for the skill level of my game. And now like when I'm dealing with, with, with guys at the younger levels and like getting them to do that, it's amazing how much better you actually can get. Like, I don't know, like it was a mindset thing. I think like, you mean, you figured you're a pro hockey player. I'm an NHLer, you know, I'm, I'm good, right? Like mm -hmm. I didn't think yeah. that you could keep getting better. And I actually found that I flatlined and even got worse because you stopped kind of being so playful with it. You become being, you know, being a pro in the 70 game season or the 80 game season. Like you're kind of finding ways to get out of the rank sometimes, you know, not yeah. really stay in it. And um, <laughs> is that, is that, it sounds like to me, like guys are, are like out on the ice and they are trying to work on, on things. Like, is that something where you're trying to improve your skills even now? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, don't get me wrong. The season's a long season. And like you, when you get to, you know, close to the end of where it's around 50 games, it's, it, it, it wears on you for sure. But I think when you're surrounded by a good group and good culture, that helps a lot. But, um, and, and there's days where our coach coaches, you know, they can read the room so well, like they, they'll know whether we need to practice or we don't, you know, when you're, when you're that far in the season, sometimes it's good to just take take a couple of days and just be away from the rink and just kind of reset mentally. But like right now leading up to the season, there's, there's a lot of that where you're on the ice working on things. Um, even, even as the season gets going here in the start, guys are always going out with our skills coach and working on things before practice, working on things after practice. Um, 
Which is good because I feel like, especially here, I, I mean, I'm sure it's the same everywhere, but here, which is so good for, you know, getting our work that we need to do in practice, whether it's system stuff or, or things he wants to work on and, or get conditioning done. But then you, you always know is that guys like to work on stuff after. So there's always time. It's never like the practice is so long where you just want to get out of there after. There, there's always time to be working on things after. And actually, I was looking at a video uh, all, me and Ollie were doing some stuff actually in a video uh, together. Uh, I remember New York was doing a video of us. They were taking a video of him doing uh, doing some work after practice. But I, me and him would do a lot of work together. Like he was always helping me with my my skating, my first three strides, working on quick, uh, quicker shots. And back then, when I wasn't, you know, um, I was still a little immature and like not physically mature. He was trying to help me like use my body properly, how to protect pucks. Um, so there's, I feel like there's just always, there's always something, especially for everybody's got their own game. So there's always something for your game that you can keep, you know, be working yeah. on. I use the term when I'm working with guys, like the, the deliberate practice term, right? I mean, like it's good to just go out there and have fun. Like that's kind of part of the passion and it keeps it light, but there should be a time dedicated before or after practice that is deliberate practice for something specific to you that you're trying to get better on, you know, like that you're actually focusing on. Um, yeah. and it sounds like that's what, that's what you're speaking to. As you told that story, Brett, I, um, to tell you kind of how full circle we go. So you had Lindy Ruff in, in, uh, New York as well. And yeah. I had him in Florida. So he was the assistant coach in Florida when I was there and, and he was wow. my guy working with me after practice, um, wow. on, on the stuff. And, and I remember you saying like that Ollie was good. Like <laughs> Lindy was a hell of a player himself too. I'm sure he's probably got on. A little bit since then but he would do all the stuff we were doing he'd skate with us we'd he'd bag the crap out of us but he'd have a ton, fun, a ton of fun doing it with us too yeah yeah he was he was the same with us too like he would he was he was working a lot with the d when we were in new york but he was always helping me too he was great he was uh he was a ton of fun and he you know like there and and times when you go through rough patches you just kind of need to hear a new voice too and he would always he'd always be right there helping too you know helping me get out of some slumps that I was in or anything. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's a full yeah, circle. That's awesome. Take one more short break here from the conversation with Brett Howden to remind you that uh, Up My Hockey works with teams. And specifically, I from Up My Hockey will work with your team. I know teams have just been getting set here and uh, the season is up and running. Uh, and there is a few spots on my calendar here in the first half to work with your team. Uh, up my hockey and the peak potential hockey project is something that is an amazing team builder like team builder 2.0 uh it also is an individual development tool uh and it takes the onus off of the head coach uh for trying to organize uh these culture peak performance mindset type activities uh, it's hard enough to do the things on the ice well and we organize practices and the tournaments and all the rest that comes with being a head coach i know firsthand uh, so to be able to have somebody come in uh, who specializes in that to help your team, uh, not only on the ice with more wins uh, and less losses, but also in the dressing room to make the environment uh, as you know positive and as supportive uh, as you can. When all of your players are seeing potential adversity as an opportunity to improve uh, and an opportunity to learn, uh, and the parents are also uh, categorizing these things as such, like it, it makes... It makes the whole thing go a lot smoother when players are equipped uh, with the tools, when they when they view it as such, and when their mindset uh, isn't about avoiding, uh, but it's about conquering. 
it it can be it can be a pretty special season. So uh, if you are interested in taking the Up My Hockey um, Peak Potential Hockey Project as a team builder, by all means, uh, reach out in the contact form on the website upmyhockey.com. Uh, you can also send an email to admin at upmyhockey.com and uh, let us know that you're interested and we can get back to you and see if there's a good fit and see if there's a spot in the on the calendar to do so. Uh, it usually takes eight weeks, even though the program's uh, four weeks long as far as curriculum is concerned. Just so you know, every second week there would be a coaching call uh, with me that we organize around your practice schedule. And, um, and yeah, it's a great way to fill the first half of the season. Um, each week builds on the next and uh, and there's a lot of great stuff that uh, that you can have as far as locker room discussions are concerned uh, with with the program. So yes, Peak Potential Hockey Project is for teams, it is for associations, uh, it is for academies. If you are in either one of those positions, team manager, um, decision maker, uh, reach out and find out more and see how ho my hockey can help you and your hockey players, not only be better hockey players, but also be better people. Now back to the episode with Brett Howden. I can't not ask you about winning a Stanley Cup. You know, I, mean, I don't know what I can even ask about that. Uh, this was your fifth, looks like, season in the league. Obviously, some guys can play 20 years and never be able to raise that thing. Uh, how special was that last year, that run? And, and, and maybe since we've been talking about lessons so much, maybe what was, like, what was the biggest lesson you, you took from that experience? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was, um, it all, it almost seems like a blur just cause it was, uh, there was so much going on. Um, but, uh, man, like what a, what an incredible experience it was. Um, so it was my first time in playoffs really, but I, I went to the bubble with New York, but we played in the play in and we got out quickly. We, I think we lost three, three games to Carolina in the play in round or whatever. So this was like my real first experience in the playoffs, and uh, it was it was unbelievable for us to, I mean, for my first time to be in the playoffs and to go all the way and win it. I mean, very very fortunate. But <clears throat> like you said, guys play their whole careers, and they don't and they don't get that chance to to win. And you know that's that's kind of all I thought about this summer is just you know how how lucky how lucky I am to be in that position that I was in to be, you know, traded to Vegas and uh, to be, you know, put into a, such a good situation, be put on a good team, you know, like every, everything has got to kind of line up and just, you know, so fortunate to be here and to be able to be a part of this team and to be able to, to win with them. And um, yeah. in you know, to, to go back to your question where you said, is there one lesson? I, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty hard it's pretty hard to, you know, you know, think about everything. I mean, the playoffs are a long time. There's, you know, uh, you know, a couple months worth, but I, I think about just the team we had, <clears throat> there was never, never any doubt. I mean, there'd be games where, you know, we'd be down or anything and you could, you know, you could start to get, you know, even, even in my mind, there'd be times where I'd be getting a little nervous, but then just, just seeing the room around me so calm and just like, in a confident way, not cocky, but in a confident way, just you kind of brought me back down. It's like, okay, we're good, we're good. And all the it just goes all the experience in a room. Like you, Martinez, Petrangelo, you know, Stevenson's won a cup before, and then Stones played how long? Eichel's played. You, like you just go around the room, and how much experience the whole room has. It's, I mean, it just it goes it goes a long way. And I know everybody talks about it, you know. Well, having experience is huge. Well, it was huge. It was huge for us. I, that's how, that's what I found. I found for us 
to have all that experience in the room is what you know really made us a good team. And then, like on a personal level, um, I man, I didn't watch every game Vegas played, but I did watch a few, obviously, in the finals there too. And and just your own personal stat line. And and I know when you when you you know you hoist the cup, it's definitely like twenty one through twenty, sometimes one through twenty five, right? <clears throat> like guys being involved and what it takes to win. Uh, but it seems like your game from an offensive side, like elevated, you almost had as many goals in the playoffs as you did all season, you know, and, and kind of brought that that tone up. Uh, was that was that exciting to be able to contribute in, in that way, uh, maybe in a little bit of a new way and, and, and to be to be that player and have your line do so well in that environment? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and. I think the thing is, is like, you know, you look at the players I was playing with, I was playing with Stevenson Stone and um, I mean, they're two really easy guys to play with. I mean, they make, they make a lot of plays. Um, like I, I just even think about there's certain plays. I remember saying stuff to my dad, like I'd, I'd make a play to them and it wouldn't be, you know, a great pass or it'd be behind them or bouncing or something like that. And they would pick it up. No problem. You know, like it's it just things like that where the elite players, you can see why they're elite. Uh, so, I, I mean, it was, a, it was a ton of fun. It was, a, it was an unbelievable experience for myself, um, you know. And, and it, the cool thing about our team is like, didn't matter where you were slotted in. We had four like really deep lines. So each line was scoring every night, which was, it, it just goes to show how deep our team was, um, you know, even I go back to the D-men too. Like they're scoring every night too for us. So um, yeah, it, it was, it was a lot of fun, um, you know, being able to kind of contribute like that. Um, but I, I mean, when you're surrounded with, when you're surrounded by players, like the caliber of our team that we had, um, you know, it definitely makes things a bit easier for yourself. Yeah. yeah. There's good players. And then there's great players. I think the good players I've, I've kind of said <clears> this before, like, they're good, but the great players make everyone around them better too, mm -hmm. you know, and, and can yeah. kind of play with anyone. And I think, you I mean, Crosby is obviously the most obvious, I think, sign of that. You know, I mean, whoever plays with him is, it turns into a, you know, I mean, an unbelievable all-star type <laughs> yeah. player, you know, like yeah. that's yeah. a special thing to be able to do. And, and you guys had quite a few of those players on that team and, and, you know, obviously everyone making everyone else better. It means something special is happening there. Usually in a, in a championship type scenario, Someone tells a story of adversity that a team needs to go through something, right? To learn from each other or to do something to to kind of come out that other side and be able to raise that cup. Was there something last year for you guys, or was it maybe the season before, like experience the experience in the playoffs? Or maybe I guess it would have been two uh, a, a year previous when they had that rough road against um, Colorado. Like, was there something there that kind of galvanized the team that that uh, pushed you guys forward? Um. So yeah, I mean, I wasn't here, but I heard that those years that they were playing against Colorado in the playoffs, those were tough years. And even for Colorado too, it was kind of back and forth a lot. Um, and I feel like I think Vegas was, you know, they were right there for a lot of years, going to the finals, and then it was conference finals. They were just always kind of there, but just couldn't really push past. Um, and then my first year here was one of the craziest years I've ever been a part of with injuries. We had so many injuries night in, right. night out. It was, That's it right. was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Um, so that year was the all off. We didn't make playoffs that year. And uh, coming back, it was almost like 
you know, everybody was kind of finally got themselves healthy. Everybody was kind of ready to go. And it was almost like they had, like, you know, the team had something to prove. And because right. the whole talk was, you know, you know, Vegas not making playoffs and this and that. And even when we got to playoffs, when we made playoffs, we finished first in our division. And there was so many people doubting us, like saying that, you know, Winnipeg was going to take, uh, you know, take the series. And then it was Edmonton was going to take the series. And it just kind of kept, and it just kind of, not that, not that it fueled us, but it, it just was kind of like, you know, like the team still had something to prove sort of thing. Yeah. And then I think the biggest thing, <clears throat> the turning point for like how I felt was in the Dallas series, we were up, uh, we were up three, nothing and uh in the series and they they came back and won two games and you know the game we're game six back in dallas and there's all this talk oh if dallas wins they could really you know take you know they could take game seven things like that um and we had a conversation with our team and it was it was a really good conversation and it was almost you know know kind of like we need to get down to business here and can't you know not let this slip away and there was obviously more to it but that game six was the best game i think i've ever seen our team play or ever been a part of a game where we've dominated so much we won i think it was i think it was six nothing or something like that and it was it just was it just felt like we just came together and it was just like we're taking this and When we won that, um, obviously we knew we had a whole other series to go, but it was just like that confidence of seeing how we played. It was just, it was, it was unbelievable. And you could just feel it. You could feel it in a room. Nobody really had to say anything. You could just feel it. Um, but that for me was probably one of the coolest experiences was that game. Yeah, that would be like, we got this, yeah. you know, you drew the line yeah. in the sand collectively and then you showed that you could do it on the ice. It's a great team and nothing's <clears> going to stop you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. That's a really cool story. I thought that Edmonton series was going to be tighter than it was. Like, I actually, I picked Edmonton. I don't know why. I mean, now looking back, but like, boy, they were rolling too. And yeah, and it honestly, it, you know, from an outsider, you might think that, but it was it was a tight series. It was hard. It was it was that was a that was a that was a tough series. I mean, with especially with those two guys, McDavid and Drysaddle, it's like anytime they get on the ice, they're they're making something happen. So it it was a tough series, but. Um, I just think that our depth, um, you know, was huge, was a huge, huge thing for our team. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, even though it was four, two, it didn't feel like that. The series, uh, it, it felt like it was, it was really tight back and forth. Yeah. I was super surprised. I never went to soupy just personally, uh, yeah. you know, like he, he had such a huge night there like <clears throat> in that King series to bring him out of that. And then Skinner was, you know, he wasn't at his best. I didn't think. And, you know, rookie in a, in a big scenario. I just, I was really surprised they never gave uh, gave him a chance there. And that might've been a, well, who knows? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But uh, yeah. But I thought yeah. you guys got a couple goals maybe that uh, that made it a little easier, but it was definitely a hard fought series. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was a tough series. Um, well, it's 5.30, man. I really, really enjoyed uh, the, the chat. I hope you did too. I know my, my, uh, my audience will really, uh, really appreciate it. So uh, fantastic stuff. I mean, the one thing that I hear out of you, constantly is just like how grounded and how grateful you are and and that is a word that i talk about a lot and like if we can use that and actually manifest it it makes everything yeah. easier it makes us better to be around um and it makes us more appreciative of what we got which uh which is usually a, a, a recipe for greatness so i love you uh Absolutely. being able to preach that it's great for my audience so thanks so much man for being around 
Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks a lot for having me. This was awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here for this episode with Stanley Cup champion Brett Howden. Uh, the again, I just want to emphasize, you know, the the professionalism and the humanism of Brett uh, to to spend over an hour uh, with us before training camp is about to start. Very busy time of the year. He just um, moved back into LA. I mean, LA, uh, Las Vegas, and was getting his house set up. And he has a he has a young starting a young family there, and the demands of that. Uh, to get on a podcast um, with with somebody that he's never met, to be as gracious and as forthcoming and as insightful as he was, uh, is really exactly how I'm trying to mentor our young athletes today, uh, those that I work with, about developing the skills to be authentically that. I've always said that I I really strive for hockey players to be examples in our community uh to be people that are in hockey and around hockey uh are just recognized as being uh, amazing people people that uh that you feel good to be around people that you know bring others up uh people that are good leaders and communicators and uh, and i think brett is just such an awesome example of how i feel hockey players should be uh he is he is totally doing our sport um justice and proud and and I couldn't be happier for him with the success that that he's having, and um, and yeah, just let that be the lesson really here is that it it it's we get so wrapped up in the hockey, uh, like the hockey aspect of being a hockey player, uh, that there is way more involved in being a hockey player that you're actually going to get paid money to do it, uh, and there's way more uh, that's going to be a part of your legacy than the hockey that you've played. So uh, I know Brett is working on both aspects of that. And for all you younger players out there, remember, he essentially got his chance. Yes, he was good enough to be invited to the party, but he had to be a good enough human to get accepted into the club. Uh, and that was the difference maker for him. And that difference maker for him as a human and as a teammate was the one that kept him there. It wasn't because he had scored 30 goals in his first 80 games as a pro. It wasn't because he was prolific in his offensive production. He was making mistakes. He was screwing up. He wasn't maybe ready. There might have been other people that were maybe better players than him even. But he had a fan club. He had built people around him that wanted him to succeed. They wanted to be a part of his journey. He was willing to keep showing up. He was willing to keep asking questions. He was willing to put in the work and people saw that he was getting better, which allowed him to stay there. And now he's earned his spot and he has solidified his spot as a Stanley Cup champion. And, and there is something to be remembered by that statement. So no matter where you are, whatever level of the journey you are on, uh, be a good human. Be grateful for the opportunities that you have. Ask questions. Work your tail off. Try and get better every day. And uh, and let people know where you want to go to, what you're trying to do. And when, you're, when you let people know where you want to go and what you're trying to do, and they also see that your words and your actions are aligning with that goal, you build a fan club. People want to be a part of that. People want to help you succeed. I know I do. Dave Oliver, I know Dave Oliver wants to get behind that. And we're not alone. There's people everywhere that are in the coaching position that want to get behind people that are willing to go to bat for themselves, that are willing to, to play hard and fight hard for what they want uh, and are also good, approachable 
people uh, when you're working with them. So it's a huge part of the game. Uh, it's a huge part of, of what it takes to make things work. And, uh, and Brett, thank you so much for staying here today. Mr. and Mrs. Howden, if you're out there ever listening to this, thank you for the amazing job uh, that you obviously did raising uh, your, your son there. And, um, and yeah, and thanks again for, for spending the time with us here. And until next time, play hard. Keep your head up.